Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm here with the prolific and very well established writer Stephen Shields. He's he's uh, on the back of an amazing film that's doing the rounds now. Well, the you. hole in the ground. Well, cheers. Thanks very much. Yeah, it's crazy now. Mm. Prolific is a good word. Cause yeah, it's cause just, yeah, it's been kind of going a long time now. And uh, so many different types of work as well, which is, I'd say, is quite interesting to do. Yeah, I suppose kind of because I probably started out doing comedy and, uh, you know, worked my way up through RTE, you know, obviously starting off in Storyland, which you know, which you know yourself. Mm, yes. Starting off there and kind of working up through RTE. kind of doing comedy. by fire. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is a serious baptism by fire. Baptism by volcanic inferno, some people would say. But yeah, kind of like people were kind of, you know, Oh, your first movie is a horror movie and not a comedy. That's kind of very interesting, mm. considering we've I've done mostly comedy for the past, oh my God, ten years now. And you've done um, horror, but comedy horror, horror. Uh, like kind of B movie style, self aware of... things that you've written that you have done horror, but it, it's that other kind of type of spectrum really I suppose is this like yeah. zombie bashers kind of yeah. stuff yeah zombie bashers yeah that's an interesting thing because that was kind of a fun comedy yeah. horror uh, which was kind of influential between myself and director uh, who directed the web series Connor McMahon he was very he's brilliant at what he does and he, he can get humour out of horror and uh, he's he's brilliant at that so mm-hmm. Connor was kind of my little influence in that as well and I, me and him would have, that was actually a really fun time writing and you know just chatting with Connor Especially when he was directing it and just having fun. That was a fun time, yeah. He's so much enthusiasm as a director as well. Oh, Connor has like... Yeah. No, Connor... I always say about people, like, Connor, I was like, what's Connor man? Like, he goes, he's very enthusiastic. I've never seen him angry. I've never seen him hurl anything across a set or... But he's been a director on things that have been kind of lowish budgets and had to deal with everything go wrong as well to maintain a level of calm in that environment is very impressive. He is, yeah. Like, yeah. Connor, I tell people, like, Connor is a really good filmmaker and he... I always say to Connor, I said, man, you should really just do, like, a really full-on scary movie because I think he has that in his tool belt. Yeah. And I'm like... He can do it, and I, but he just, Connor's just a fun-filled guy, and I think he likes making fun-filled movies, and there's no, you know, there's no harm in that, and I think he'd be, he's brilliant, and actually, I always look when Connor ever, like, approaches me now, it's still to this day, we're still friends after, God, that was 2010 since Zombie Bashers, so yeah. nearly 10 years, and any time he comes up to me and, like, pitches me a project or something he's working on, it's just full of enthusiasm, and you just know it's going to be wacky and cool, yeah. and it's going to be a Connor McMahon film. And, you know, you can't take that away from a director who loves what he does. Of course. And you've you've done a lot of um, co-writing on projects and like, again, all different genres, kids. Oh, my God. Yeah, kids, kids stuff, uh, adult cartoons, which aren't like there's not oh too God, many of them yeah. in Ireland. You've uh, um, and now this feature shorts as well. Feature shorts? You, no, um, well, they're not really shorts. They're like. From the, they're, what are they called? They're like sketches from Republic of Tally. Oh, Republic of Tally, But I yeah. watch them on YouTube, so. Oh, yeah, well, that's so kind to of me, the, they're like little short things, yeah. Well, that's kind of the joy now yeah. of uh, YouTube is that a lot of stuff uh, that I did many moons ago on Republic of Tally is now out on YouTube and people can see them where that wouldn't have been a thing years ago. You know what yeah. I mean? A, a sketch would just, you know, if it was a unbelievable sketch or something like that, it'd just be on a video somewhere gathering yeah. dust in someone's house down the country. And... But now everything's on YouTube. Uh, like RT, you have a whole back catalogue of sketches that I'm sure some and maybe all are up on YouTube so people can see them. But I think it's a testament to kind of comedy in Ireland because there's so much material and there's some great comic talent out there. Yeah. And that was, I think that was the best 
part for me working on Republic Telly was yeah. writing sketches for really funny people and meeting the next wave of comedians coming through. It's kind of actually a shame that there's no platform yeah. out there anymore for like Republic Telly for people may love it, people may hate it. I know some people may be middling about it. But it was a great way of getting new comedy talent in this country on TV and in people's ether and getting them aware of it. Like we I look at like the rubber bandits, you know, yeah. Damo and Ivor. Um, you know, there was so much even even the Hardy books did some sketches on it and they were just you know Bridget and Eamon. Bridget and Eamon, yeah, yeah. how how That's, I how dare yeah. I forget where you know, like the Jason and Jennifer and, and Bernard are still working on that. I think like on their fifth series now. I think it's like probably one of the longest sitcoms on, on Irish TV at the moment. Like it did give birth to a lot of comedy material. And now even when I meet comedians who I'm still friendly where or the new comedians, if I go to comedy festivals to see yeah. people, there's no platform from that there. It's not even like a stand up show on RT that they can actually go, hey, I'd like to do like three minutes worth of material. Uh, well, some, unfortunately, RT don't kind of commission that, commission yeah. that which is a, I think is a, is a massive shame because there's still some great new comedians I could I could name um, a handful who are coming up through now and like there's no outlet for them and everything's kind of and it's also a sort of mentorship scheme so if you're kind of new enough you're starting out you've a little bit of a name for yourself you can, you're, go, you're in there you're working alongside people that are a bit more established and it would be like a very microcosm version of like SNL or something like that you know like where you get to develop your voice and yeah. talent and, I, I always compare people always ask me what was Republic Italy like from people who are not from Ireland and yeah. whether people agree with me or not it was kind of like the starting out live of, yeah. of Ireland um, not that it was live sketches but even talents that weren't put on the actual screen, a lot of them were hired behind the camera. Yeah. Uh, working on sketches or writing material for the other comedians. And that was kind of a great, great way to hone your own craft because you worked in an, env- in an environment. Like, I, like just like off the top of my head there, we worked in a writer's room in Republic of Teddy for a few weeks before a couple of series. And they were hilarious. Like, we would just yeah. sit around pitching ideas. And it kind of gets that thing into your head of like, oh... I need to learn how to pitch something to yeah. a producer. I've never done this before. And you can kind of hone it that way. Yeah. And then like working in a room, collaborating with other like funny people is like, you can't, you can't buy that kind of experience. Cause it's just so much fun. Like, like there's guys there who, who I'm still friendly with, uh, you know, Shane Mulvey and, and Dermot Whelan and, and, and the rest of the, the cast and crew. And like, they would, we would just laugh. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, now again, like there's there's nothing out there like that. So sure, that was probably the only writers' room that would have existed in Ireland for any prolonged period of time. That was a comedy thing. That wasn't say a soap. That wasn't Fair City. Yeah. They're just not really done here, and it's a real shame because the best things are collaborative. But is it just budgets aren't there? Well, I think if you're going to go into like I I've just done I've done a feature film with some really talented people and. Yeah. If you're not collaborative in this medium, I don't know why you're in it. Yeah. Because if you're a writer and you're very possessive of your work, you're not going to get it made unless yeah. you're Paul Thomas Anderson or something like that and you direct and you produce and you're a you know, cinematographer. That's fine. And that's like, you know, one in every hundred probably. But collaborating is the best part of this job because, well, it can, you know, it can be a double-edged sword. Sometimes it can be great. Sometimes it can be a hindrance. Yeah. But in the aspect of Republic of Telly, it was just so much fun because we had f- directors and producers and writers who just wanted to make people laugh and get their material on the TV. And, you know, you'd, 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 you'd pitch about 10 sketches, maybe get two sketches on the air one season. But then you'd get other stuff where you'd be helping other people with their sketches or yeah. you'd be writing material for Dermot, Jen, Bernard, and in the later years, Kevin and, and Ed. Um, 
but that doesn't exist anymore. I don't even think I now. I've never worked on Fair City. I did apply for a job there once, and was very close to getting one, but. I don't know if they sit in a room and go, okay, yeah. let's do storylines. I, I don't know how that works. They'd have your story, the story room would be different to the actual writers. Oh, that's right, I've heard so this So I yeah. think, and I, I've heard this, but I haven't obviously experienced it. People keep out with Fair City, it keeps a lot of writers in this country employed. Yeah, paid, yeah. Yeah, and it gets them paid, which, you know, for a writer in this country, is such a tough thing, like to yeah. get a paid gig. Um People yep. get people get a kind of hard time, but they don't realize the difficult <laughs> the difficulty in getting four episodes a week. Across. Oh my god! For, and I, I've seen... for the actors, for the writers, for everything. Oh my for god! The, it is, and it's a machine. Story writers, yeah. yeah, it's a machine that works, and it's constantly going whether you're ready or not. And I think yeah. again, like Republic Italia, I'm sure for a it's a great discipline on how to meet a deadline mm. in a short amount of time, because that will. I still take that discipline. Uh, from working on Republic Telly and like you get an idea for a sketch on a Monday it needs to be written by Wednesday because it has to be shot on Thursday that discipline kind of still isn't it, maybe it's a discipline slash fear yeah. it's kind of ingrained in me because you have to get it done because if you don't hand in your script everyone's waiting well sure if you've if you've pushed your procrastination to the limit like I do think creative types are a lot more likely to procrastinate as well but I mean if you don't have time to procrastinate you yeah, just don't yeah. have time well that's good yeah. like it is and it was like I've worked on a, a several like not just Republic Telly but working on like Des Bishop's This Is Ireland or mm. working on Callum's Kick sketch show um, and a few other things like you don't have time to sit down and do a thousand piece jigsaw you have yeah. to Here's the idea. We need it by then because we have to shoot it by then because we only have the cast by then. And it's just, you know, everyone is waiting on your bits of paper that come through the door. And then you usually get a producer goes, that's not funny. That's not funny. Let's rewrite that. And then that's a whole overnight job nearly. So you don't get much sleep when you're working on these shows. But, you know, know, hopefully if you're doing your job right, you get it done and again like I said it, it has that discipline in me now where I know if I have a deadline I'm going to get it done no matter what and it's not about procrastination that kind of just goes out the window yeah. and you're right writers do procrastinate but mm. that's what writers do and I know like not every writer is the same but that's how I work and have you ever like had a piece that you adore and then were, were given notes and you're like no I don't want to change it for this not really I had a, yeah. had a sketch that I wanted to write for years and I pitched it for every season and finally, in the last season of Republic of Teddy, before it was cancelled by RT, I got it on, but it wasn't the way I wanted it done. Yeah. I had this idea for, um, do you remember years ago, they used to have these exercise videos that used to come on after, you know, like when TCC used to finish at like five o'clock and then it used yep. to be like exercise videos or QVZ. Well, I had this joke called Mass the Exercise. Because when I, I'm not a religious person, but when I go to Mass, I find it very tiring because you're basically standing, sitting, kneeling. Yeah. And my joke was like, you can lose weight by doing mass, the exercise. Yep. And I pitched it for years and no one wanted to do it. And then finally, Shane Mulvey, who was the producer of the last season of Republic of Thai, said, let's do it. But unfortunately, due to time constraints and other kind of stuff out of your control, it wasn't exactly the sketch I wanted it to be. It yep. became something completely different. Uh, but, you know, you do. You, sometimes you get yep. like, look, anyone who's creative and they, you hand something across the table to someone and they put a big red mark through loads of stuff and go gory or that it's so disheartening but if you kind of get used to that and kind of come to terms with that here your first draft is never the one that's going on screen I think it's very rare that your first draft goes on screen of anything then 
you'll go far in this industry because you will learn to take the bumps and the hits and the knocks because when you get it across the line, it's that much better. And it's amazing to have two perspectives as well. When when two people are in sync, when it goes across together, it's the it's almost better than the sum of the individual parts where oh, yeah. you kind of like spur each other on. I think it is. And yeah. that's, that's what's great about working with people, like working with people. I, I know a lot of writers slash directors work alone and they kind of have this moment where they're like, I've no one to talk about this script to. Yeah. You, there's no sounding board in the room. It can be quite difficult. I think it's great having a sounding board in the room. Um, yeah. That's <laughs> why... Um, you know, working with Lee, like that, that's, it's a, it's a great experience because like most of the time we just laugh and we're laughing and if you can work in a kind of atmosphere that's not so highly strung, like it, there is moments they are highly strung, yeah. then working with people is great fun. But if you're not that, again, if you're not that sort of person, that's up to you, you know yeah. what I mean? So let's, let's do it. The hole in the ground. The hole in the Where ground. Where did that idea come from? And I have questions. Okay, I, you have yeah. questions. The <laughs> no, no, the, tell me right the background and then when we go into it. I'll okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's well, the yeah. hole in the ground originally, it's a funny story. A hole in the ground was actually an idea, idea Lee had already in development with the film, when it was film board now Screen Ireland, uh, that he was developing and was kind of, in his own words, struggling a bit with as well. Uh, I had, was working on a, spec script at home in 2015 and my final draft decided to just completely shut down and my draft of my script just completely disappeared and I could not find it and I was devastated so I put a message up on trusty Facebook saying does anyone out there know how to get final draft back Lee who was living in Finland at the time got on to me and said this is how you get it back uh thank goodness he did because I got it back and eventually he said to me look he was living in Finland he says look I'm coming back to Ireland in a few weeks would you like to meet up we'd met previously before at the Galway film flat because I had done Zombie Bashers in Storyland and a year later Lee had done Storyland with his The Master Plan and so we kind of knew each other and we met up and we're like hey let's try work on something let's get a few ideas bouncing and we ended up writing a pilot script a TV show that actually got all the way to Channel 4 Wow. And we, we loved it and it was really good. It was a great experience. We flew over to London. We met with Channel 4. Of course, like eventually it didn't go anywhere. Uh, but then he said, look, I have this script and I want to send it to you. And let me, you, know, you know what I think? And it was the, one of the very early drafts of the hole in the ground. So I read it, really liked it, but felt that it could be, not that it could be better. It's just that there was certain elements that were just more intriguing than the yeah. overall story. And I pitched this to him. Lee initially reacted to it and was like, yeah. Now, I never thought, oh, look, I want a writer's job on this. It was actually Lee who went to his producer, John Kevill, and said, look, I'd like Stephen to come on board. John, of course, being a bit weary considering I come from a sketch comedy background and, you know, have, you know, wasn't known in, in kind of feature film circles. Uh, was kind of a bit hesitant, but then eventually said, yeah, let's give him a go. And we started laying out the new story for with the film that you see on screen now. Excellent. So, um, what happened to her husband? This is just a completely uh, erroneous fact that was not a spoiler and has nothing to do with anything that happens in the film, but just myself and Stephen, the editor, we went to see it and we were like, what is happening to the husband? Well, Was he abusive? Is that, I, yeah, is I, that the kind of subtext? The subtext yeah. is that he was abusive uh, and obviously the character that Shauna plays in the film, Sarah, she's basically... She's basically run away from her yeah. old life and is trying to start a new life with her son in the countryside. And of course, you know, as if you go see the film, he he disappears one night thanks to an ominous sinkhole. 
uh, in the forest as well as you know inclinations from a crazy neighbor next door and they uh, and, and all and serious but with the husband in the movie we always said was an abuse she has come from an abusive relationship and she has left the city from where she's from she's moved to the countryside to start a new life and the kind of pain from the past never goes away and she also fears that the husband at some point will come back and take her child away from her yep uh, so that's what our intentions were and uh, hopefully it came across in the movie yes yeah no it did like that was that was kind of what I had thought when yeah. he was like oh the bump on the head and then I was like oh is everything an illusion <laughs> Well, uh, and then it was like, was it hinted at? But it didn't sort of feel like that. It felt very sturdy and kind of grounded in a supernatural we didn't, yeah. but without giving anything away, if that made sense. No, I think what yeah. we tried to do with the film is we tried to essentially play a game. It was like, is this actually happening in reality or is this happening in her head? Yeah. And we always had the intention. It's funny. I was only talking to Lee about it about an hour ago. We never set, set out to make a, a scary kid horror movie. We set out to make a story about a mother and a son and a mother doing anything she can to protect her son um i always said if i wanted one thing from this film when people walk out of the cinema it would be when you go home and look at your children and they act a little bit differently are they the person that's been there the whole time i remember uh, years ago my mother told a story when she went to see the original nightmare on elm street is the thing that everyone feared when they went to see nightmare on elm street is yeah. going to sleep yeah and hopefully waking up next morning. I think if you can take something in a horror genre and people just go home and go, okay, my kid who I've known, you know, I've, I've, I've nurtured and reared and at 10 years old, he just does something slightly strange or starts acting slightly unnormal to the way he has, then we've accomplished our goal with the movie because yeah. people are thinking, oh, what if he just disappeared when I came back and... Or what if the reverse happens? What if people are like leaving their children next to sinkholes because they want a better behaved child who's more polite <laughs> well, and who true. eats their bolognese sauce? He's a very, James, huh? James who plays, actually James who plays Chris in the movie is one of the politest children I've ever, ever met in my life. So you wouldn't be too sure if he was actually a changeling or not. <laughs> but he is such a lovely kid and I think he actually plays the part Gusto and is I think he's brilliant. He's just a joy, he's a joyful kid and to get him into that, you know, mindset, I think Lee did a great job where it was just like, you know, you have this wonderful, you know, carefree child and then all of a sudden he's in a uniform combing his hair singing, you know, to yeah. himself. It's kind of creepy, but yeah. yeah, I think it works. Really does. And the chemistry between him and his mother on screen is amazing. Did oh. they do a lot of um, rehearsal together? How did they get that close? I, uh, well, first, Shauna Kerslake is like, I'd say is one of the, is an amazing actress. Yeah, I, I loved phenomenal. her. Phenomenal. I went. I remember Lee was considering saying, "Oh, what do you think, Shauna Curse like for casting?" I hadn't seen a day for Mad Mary. Mm. I watched it straight away. Uh, thought she was amazing, and just kind of the idea of having a younger mother, and that yeah. all mothers are like in their thirties or late, you know, forties or something like that. Um, was just like I was like, oh, "That's amazing!" Like, let's do it's a, it's it's different. Uh, so let's do that. And I think the way they got the chemistry is Lee did rehearsal with Shauna and James in a hotel out in Leopardstown. And he just kind of used that kind of time just to, like, they formed a bond instantly. It's hard not to mm. form a bond with James. And likewise, it's hard not to form a bond with Shauna because she's such a lovely person and James is a lovely person. And I think they just kind of bonded. I think they bonded over Minions, if I'm not mistaken. I think that was Shauna's big in when I was like, do you like Minions? And he was like, yeah. And then they just hit it off. And I think that chemistry on screen, uh, you know, I think it works. I think it paid off beautifully uh, because it's kind of a weird because at the start of the movie they're very like 
you know, there kind of is a little bit of standoffishness between the mother and the, the son, uh, obviously in the kind of, with to do with the father. And then it's just that hor- horrible, strange, icky feeling when the kid is just very polite formal, yeah. and formal and responsive and perfect, mm. which, you know, starts to act, if, you're, if your own children do it, you'd be like, what's going on? Because they're supposed to, kids are supposed to act out, in my opinion. Like, and I was gonna say that, um, like, a it's it's great that you guys are writing great, strong female characters as a as a lead, and well done. Yeah, no, like it's 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 it is like yeah. like, and the other thing in the movie we always wanted to, and it was it was like it's funny when me and Lee go into a project like we're going into our second feature film at the moment, but with this one we were like making kind of. We're like well, she's not screaming. That was a big thing yeah. for us. Oh no, she's ballsy and she's tough, yeah. but she's very real. Like you feel like you yeah. know her. Like she doesn't like. There's a scene in the movie. I'm not going to spoil it, but towards the end of the movie, when kind of things start to unravel and go down a certain avenue, she doesn't balk and she doesn't scream and she doesn't like. We didn't want to have another scream queen movie. Yeah. Like, this woman is strong. She's been through a lot and yeah. she's going through even more. And she will do what she has to do, come hell or high water, to get her son. You know back yeah and um i think like she's very strong i think but like this is this thing like there we really good actresses out there that deserve to play these parts and and people go into things going oh this would be great for a man or whatever but like (laughs) yeah but it's like it's it's what works for us it's always what works for the character yeah you know oh yeah like if there was something that was you had to have it as a male for some specific reason, but exactly, yeah, no, I well, you know, a father and a son story is interesting, and a, but a mother and a son is a bit more kind of maternal. Mm. Uh, and and I we can pull from experiences as writers from you know, I have a strong mother, Lee has a strong mother, and they've like you know, they've all been through a lot, but we know they would just do anything for their kids. But your dads wouldn't, oh, my dad would, <laughs> they'd be throwing character. you into the sinkhole and going to get a few beers and be like, I'll yeah, collect know. them later. No, my, I don't yeah. know, but like, it's it's what suits the story, and yeah, you know, that's that's what drew me to the project in the first place. Was not all the craziness with sinkholes and you know, women next door who were like doing crazy things, it was about this is a mother who will do anything for her son, yeah. and she kind of notices things again as she says maybe only a mother would know about their kids yeah and I think that's what drew me to the project and that's what we kind of honed in on and I think it worked very well yeah I th- she she definitely is totally believable I love her because she's such a strong character um, because you were saying that she just she didn't balk she kind of didn't blink and I like that I, I kind of had assumed she was this abuse survivor and then there is that thing where you're like well she survived that like she can literally survive anything <laughs> and yeah, like, it's like but it's that that for me just rang very true it was very interesting to watch um, and yeah. she's never a yeah. victim she's yes. never really a victim she's like even when there's a scene in the film where the doctor's like what is it what's the scar actually on your head she doesn't say what it is because yeah. first of all it's her own personal thing and she can divulge to the doctor what she wants but she doesn't want to play the victim like she yeah. never sets out and goes oh I was a victim of domestic abuse she just gets on with it she's yeah. past that she's trying to get on with her life and again when pardon my friend when shit hits the fan in the movie yeah. she never screams and she never runs away she goes at it yeah. head on and that's important I think in the story because she's just a powerful character and yeah. a powerful mother 
So that's what our intention was, was intention was setting out for the film. And that's what our goal was. We we always said she's never screaming. She's yep. never running away. She's a mother that's convinced this thing is happening and she will try and prove it till the end of the time. Excellent. And how was it received when you're so far? So where have you watched it? So I saw I've the first time I've watched it a few times and yeah. obviously through the editing stages. Uh, the first time I watched it with a pure real audience was at the midnight screen and at Sundance in Utah which was an experience and a half because yep. when they say midnight screening they really mean midnight screening so your film was on at 12 o'clock you got a lot of film watchers coming in that's been probably watched about six or nine films and a few jars and maybe. a few and probably yeah. have a few points yeah Salt Lake or Park City has kind of got a few bars in it which I have to say I did frequent a few of them but mm. took it easy Um, but it was an experience like it, it's obviously it's good to watch an audience jump yeah, it's good to watch an audience react. There's a part in the movie I won't spoil it, but you you've obviously seen the film, so you know it. Yeah. Towards the end, where something kind of you're like unexpected kind of happens, and there was an audible gasp. Yeah, and I could literally and literally hear people go, "Oh my god!" Yeah. and "Oh no!" and that was amazing to see it. And I've seen it a few times. I actually saw it on certain night with a few friends. And my best friend was sitting beside me and I got to that part again and he went, oh my God, again. So people are reacting to it <laughs> yeah. and it's been great. And the reviews have been great, um, you know. And and I'm going to make a gesture because I just want to be sure. Is that the bit where it's this? Yeah. And then the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. People were like, oh my God, because it is it's kind of like people are yeah. kind of like, oh my God, like what actually is happening here? Uh, so that's good. But yeah, the reviews have been great. Um, we got you know great reviews. We were I think we're like eighty eight percent fresh in Rotten Tomatoes, which apparently is the bar you have to hit yep. these days with films. Um, because I know a few other people who have had films in the cinema and they haven't been fresh, and that has hit them hard. But oh, that's really? the business. Yeah. Um, and the IMDb rating as well. The IMDb rating, yeah. I think, is very good. Yours yeah. is very good. I I had a look at it. I just out of curiosity, I was like, you I always I'm at, the, like, I'm at the point yeah. now where I'm not even looking at stuff because mm. I have a tendency of going to like a Twitter hole where I'm oh. just like I look it up on Twitter or Google it and it can be very look there's always people out there who's not going to like films or yeah. not going to like your movie and that's that's your that's up to you and that's your preference sure. there's films out there that, if you're writing for RTE don't, don't people just hate RTE because it has the words RTE I or think like, so I think people but they do real. they just became really like angry at it yeah, so people just get angry at things anyway. Yeah, like people, especially like you, I, I was on the the boards study, and I, I as well had to stop doing that. Where you're like, oh no, stop it! But but people get really angry when things are funded by RT. Yeah, yeah. it's like compared to like say Virgin Media or something like that, they'll they'll get they'll take umbrage. That's just probably just to do with the TV license. No one likes Maybe. to pay. No one likes probably. to pay a bill Actually, or a license. Yeah, and like oh, I pay for this. Well, you, yeah, you kind of do, but that mm. amount of money probably doesn't. It's really like a sandwich in the RT yeah. canteen or something but like not saying that's where it goes <laughs> but yeah. yeah people just get like get really like, I, it's funny like, like the green book thing now with the Oscars like people are like some people are angry and I've seen them going like it's a good movie and I, I, yeah. I, I have no qualms with it I think people just get irate over the littlest of the things like yeah. and that's that's their right to because that's their fundamental right to get it's their opinion you know yeah. what I mean you, if there's one thing people can't take away from you it's your opinion Yeah. so you can get angry at whatever you want and you can smile and be happy at whatever you want to it's a, it's a it's a delicate balance and then as creators you can just not read it if but you that's choose it. to yeah, like yeah. We, I remember like we were laughing and Elise told this story in public like I remember one of the comments that we got is I didn't like this movie because they drive on the wrong side of the road and I just was like well you know if that's the one complaint they have 
that's a pretty good that's one. That's enough. Yeah. But I don't mind. There's actually, it's funny because any of the roads in the film are just country roads. So who knows which way they're driving. Where was it shot actually? Because I was, I was saying to Stephen, I was like, it looks like Finland or something. Because yeah, I finished co-production. You're not the first. Mark, dramatic. Mark yeah. Remote on BBC said the exact same thing. He thought it was a Scandinavian uh uh, countryside it's actually Wicklow it's the Wicklow Mountains we shot the film in Kildare most of the interiors and some of the exteriors in Kildare yeah. uh, some of it down in Bray in a small little studio not Ardmore but it was a small little studio for most of the sinkhole stuff which was great days for Shauna because she just basically sunk into a load of mud for hours <laughs> upon end yeah. in this really small cold shed and then we're all of us standing yeah. around just looking at her going well fair play to her she signed up for the movie uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, the 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 kind of the Wicklow and and yeah, Wicklow and Kildare. It's a very local film. Yeah, you know, we didn't go too far out of the the pale, really. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm glad people. It's weird the Scandinavian thing though. Yeah. Maybe it's just we have. No, it, there was like Finnish money in there. Well, there is Finnish so money. There's why, Finnish. That's why specifically that place. I think there's, there's Finnish, Belgian, Irish, and it's a bit of British money in it as well. Mm. So it's like a whole smorgasbord of cash not that we're complaining we got the movie made so yeah. that was that's what everyone just sets out to do and you know and then obviously getting distribution you know Wildcard have done a, a tremendous job here Vertigo doing yeah. really well in Britain and then A24 over in America was kind of like the seal of uh, it was the stamp of approval like that your horror film is good enough for them for them that's... yeah and when is it is it out now in America it is yeah. out now in America it's in select theatres uh, I know a friend of mine has seen it in Los Angeles and mm. another person who I was talking to last night on Facebook Messenger is going down to Washington to see it so it is in select theatres it's on yeah. a few theatres uh, it was on direct TV in America as well I know that that was quite quick after Sundance mm. but uh, I think for me if I was going to go see it and that's just not because I wrote it or I haven't yeah. watched it the film but you'd have to see it on the big screen because yeah. the sound... That's exactly what I was going to say. This, that sound mix would be almost wasted. It, it, on yeah. Even a lovely sound bar or something like that. It's I, so atmospheric. I think, I think uh, first of all, Tom Comfort's yeah. amazing cinematography. I think he's an amazing cinematographer, one of the yeah. best we have in the country. And uh, he, his, his pictures are just amazing. You have to see it on a big screen. But the sound design as well, it's up there with Stephen McKeown's uh, mu- music is, I think it just, you need to see it in a cinema because it's, or see and hear it in a cinema because it really gives you the full experience. And like, you know, I know that we live in a world now where everything's Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that, but I still like to go see films in the cinema. Yeah. You can't be on your phone looking at it and no. checking your messages. You're you're in a completely designed space. It's it's much better. That's it. I think that's yeah. what my thing with cinema. People always go, ah, oh, sure, I'll just watch it at home. I go, no, like cinema is an experience. Yeah. You can watch anything at home. Going to the cinema and waiting for the lights to go down and you're in a room full of people and you have your Coke and your popcorn. And you're going to get away from the outside world. You can't have, well, you're supposed to not have your phone on you. Some people don't adhere to that rule much to my annoyance. But they... You get away and you escape and you're you're focused on the screen in front of you and it's not a million distractions going on. Like, I think that's like, you can't buy that experience. Well, you can. It's called going to the cinema. Yeah. So, like, for holding the ground, if you're going to go see it, go see it in the cinema because yep. I think it's just one of those. I think the sound blows you away if the sound is up high enough, which we're yeah. finding in a few cinemas, it's oh, a bit no. low. Uh, I saw it on Saturday night and I thought it was a bit low. Well, we were in the Cineworld on Parnell Street. Perfect. And we were right at the back. Oh, so, well, great. So yeah. hopefully it blew the ears off. Yeah. yeah. Well, plus, I think like the score is amazing as well. Yeah. I think you really need to hear it in a big cinema. But it's really creepy. One of the... I don't want to give anything away, but there's like a bit where there's a play 
Oh, the rat and yeah. scene. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt that really creepy. And it was the audio mix that did it as much as the visuals. Were. Yeah, I think there's yeah. certain parts of that scene. that I actually love that scene. That was, I remember we were talking about it when we were writing the movie. Uh, the rat and bog was a big thing for us. We were like, we really want to do this scene. I think yeah. that's the scene in the film where you really start to go, okay, there's something not quite right. Like extremely not quite right here. Yeah. So yeah, I think the, the sound design, uh, fair play to the guys, the sound design, uh, Tom Comerford's cinematography and Steve McKeon's soundtrack I think that all encompasses it. I think even in that scene as well I know it's not a big open wide landscape shot but just the way it shot the stage and stuff like that is very creepy and there's some great uh, little moments of uh, light dialogue in there that kind of you know you'll have like a really tense moment and then a jovial bit of back and forth was that your handiwork? Uh, I think it's a, a combination of both me and Lee me and Lee yeah. like I, I had to say right in the hole in the ground Sometimes screenwriting can be a bit of a slog, but right in the hunger room, we laughed most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes it's over our own silly little jokes and nothing to do with the film. But we always said we'd have levity in the film, and there's just some nice parts. Uh, I like, I love the part this, where she, he's just trying to explain that the spider is a is a female and not a male. Yeah, I think it's a great. That's brilliant. I think, we, yeah, <laughs> I think the thing with the is like if you can kind of put people in a mode of relief then when the horrifying stuff comes it comes doubly more yeah uh, i always say that the two most reactionary genres in film are comedy and horror if they're done right because timing a joke is nearly the same as timing a fright mm-hmm. because it's like a level like it's i'm i'm, I'm on a podcast here and i'm, I'm showing Gemma something here yeah. but like it's ups and downs it's valleys yeah. and peaks you know what i mean and i think if it was just constantly scare, 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 you become desensitized to it too quick. It's like yeah. joke, 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 joke. You're missing jokes. Yeah. But I think if it's like, do a joke, you know, have a kind of a flat line for a little bit and then do a joke. It's the same as have a scare, do a flat line for a bit, do a scare. It t- it's, it's an experience. You know what I mean? It's like, you're getting the reaction you want. I'm not saying that other films don't do that. I just find horror and comedy just do it the best. Yeah, definitely. Um, But also you were saying that it does help that you've a good strong cast that you've great characters in there that are very well written that yeah. makes I don't know that's a very important thing as well because if you if you don't really like the characters or if they're stock characters it's hard to follow them oh, uh, through their journey and I think that's something that The Hole in the Ground captures very very well I think I I I love the cast of The Hole in the Ground I think we've really like even in the, the like smaller parts like you have Simone Kirby you have Steve Wall you have Owen Mackin you have mm-hmm. Sarah Hanley you have James Cosmo and like you've, you've just you've a great like I know the, 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 the whole movie is basically carried on the backs of Sean and James and like having them too is amazing yeah. but having a supporting cast and I don't like to use the phrase supporting cast because I don't think cast support each other I think casts are all encompassing and they all do their job equally they're all parts I just think it's amazing for a first feature film. Yeah. I think Lee and the team cast it real well. Like James Cosmo, anytime I see him on screen, I'm just like, here's a guy who's in Highlander and Braveheart mm-hmm. and more recently Wonder Woman. And when he comes on screen, Holland, I just think he is just, you know, he re- he really makes you focus on him because yeah. he's the gatekeeper in all this. You yeah. know what I mean? And same with Steve Wall. There's the, the dinner, the dinner, the infamous dinner party scene me and Lee caught it. Like you've really great actors just sat around the table telling yeah. the story, and it feels quite authentic to get exposition in there in a way that's very engaging. That's why we call and it the infamous yeah. dinner party scene. That scene was rewritten. Oh God, I'd have to look back on the drafts of the script, but we shot that scene twice. 
I think we shot it twice and it just didn't work the first time because you're always very aware when you're writing a horror movie that there's going to be a scene in it where you have to explain either A, what happened in the past or B, what the monster is. Yeah. And they are the most difficult to write because, look, I, I be open to it as well. When I watch a horror movie and someone goes, oh, these are the monsters and the way to kill them is blah, 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 blah. Yeah. That's great. I know that now. But they're, they're the same all the time. Yeah. Oh, did. I've opened this old book. Yeah. I've opened that my grandmother me, gave yeah, me. And like, it has said that. It's great. And yeah. like, it's a great tool to have. But we try to avoid that, like the plague. And we mm. also try to avoid, you know, the kind of... Friday the 13th would be like one of the major ones where it's like the old guy comes out of the woods and goes hey don't you go swimming there that's where that boy was murdered years ago <laughs> and you're like oh yeah okay cool but we're still gonna go swimming here so you go on about yourself there you big nutter mm. and then of course they all get killed so it's so hard to kind of write one of them without trying to really write one of them yeah. I know that might seem like an oxymoron but it's just oh it was so crazy even on the day we were shooting like I I was tasked by Lee to kind of like, oh, go through the script with them and, and see what they think. And it was just, and that's when I had an appreciation for directors because when you have four actors or three actors, I, I can't remember the number, going, oh, I think we should say this, 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 and this. You just brain starts to melt and you're like, mm. okay, let's just take this t- a bit by bit and see what we do. And uh, I think ultimately the scene that's up on screen now actually worked really well. And again, it has that bit of levity in it. So it's not just, hey, this is the old woman and she's crazy. There's, yeah. you know, stories going on between brothers and brothers and uh, brother, uh, brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws. And then in the middle of this scene, kind of listening, but kind of in her own space is Shauna playing Sarah. And she's just absorbing it all in. Yeah. And so hopefully it's not that scene in a movie where people go, oh, no, they're trying to explain to us what's going on. Yeah, No, it does. It does it very, very cleanly. And I was well, like, because I was like, well done. No, thank you. Because <laughs> yeah. it's not easy to do it that. It is. And then I, I, yeah. it's funny. I, I, there's other writer, screenwriters I know who would say the exact same thing. They're like, oh, I hate when you get to that scene where you're like trying to explain what the creatures are. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend actually at the moment who's writing the screenplay. And he was he sends he like he uses me as a sounding board because he writes on his own, and it's always the thing. It's like how do I write this scene where there's a monster, but I don't explain what the monster is or how to kill it, but I have to do it at some point. Yeah. Uh, and those are the hardest scenes to write because it can just come off as cheese, really. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Or then, or too kind of like dialogue heavy as well, and then you you can't do flashback. Like it's just this thing where. I totally empathise with you. Oh, yeah. it's just, I, I, I don't wish it, uh, look, writing is tough as it is. Mm. It's, uh, it is what it is, but God, when you get to them scenes, it's just like, oh my God, it's banging your head against the wall going, oh, how do I make this make sound like a big, big piece of cheese of exposition? You're like, okay. Let's and just... I was going to say as well, just uh, on the, the topic of, of tackling hard things, you're writing something new now. This, you were saying that you're back into the fold. Are you allowed to talk about it? Or is it a big well, secret? I think I can. I can yeah. talk about it a little bit because actually the, an article went up on Screen Daily just a couple of hours ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so me and Lee are working on our second feature together based on a, an idea Lee had originally. It's called Box of Bones. Mm-hmm. It's a very much a chamber horror piece. It's about a couple who have... have uh, the boyfriend has been in an accident and the girlfriend is helping him be rehabilitated but in the course of rehabilitation they f- discover dark secrets within the house that they're living in and it's a real kind of supernatural 
paranoia thriller movie so we're we've been working on it kind of the past year yeah. but now we're really getting into it now because the hole in the ground has done so well for us that we're and we're working on another, another project but I can't really say much about that at the moment oh, that's still okay, in the early exciting. days but it's very exciting yeah. and would you be tempted to uh, lash out the the series again and shop that I around now that know. you have this lovely we've talked about it see the yeah. thing is and you know yourself when you're writing you could write something about three years later either someone has done it yeah it's stale now yeah or you know but you never know like I always look at like uh, there's a story of Matthew Weiner who created Mad Men like mm. he had Mad Men script in his briefcase for 10 years before anyone even thought about making it yeah. and then you, when you watch that show you go what no one wants to make this but it you don't really know time for it it's time yeah. for it it's this This I always say making movies is a crapshoot like you never know when someone goes remember that idea you had about five years ago mm. I really like it you still have that script yeah here it is okay I think we can make this or you know at the time people were like oh what's that script about uh, yeah we're not really there's no market for that at the moment so mm. there's a lot of variables that go on but yeah. I don't know it's it's conversation for me and Lee to have but mainly we're kind of just focusing on doing the feature film yeah uh, work and there was one thing actually you, you were saying that you were on set a lot would you have been on set most days um, not it's a big you know, it's funny people always go yeah. oh is it fun being on set it is fun being on set but it can become quite tedious if you're not actually doing anything because you're just watching take after take. Uh, if you're a director it's fine because you're directing the actors and you're getting yeah. set up as the writer you can like my job is done unless I'm called upon to do more Yeah. Uh, I was on set for a good bit of the film um, especially kind of the stuff in the house I was there I think it's good for writers to be on set not all the time but some of the time or when asked it's good to I think it's good for writers just to let actors know that writers exist Yeah, and it's not just hey look you know I think it's good uh, you know I I certainly love going down and watching the film being made I love having conversations with Lee John Kevin the producer just the whole crew even like just you know, the camera guys it's good fun to be on but then there's sometimes like just sitting there going okay we've done a few takes of this and now and then you could be there some days and they're just taking shots of mirrors yeah and you just ended up like, eating all the food I actually well. did I you actually just, you felt, go over and you're like I'll have a cup of tea I'll have a biscuit I felt with a cup so of tea bad and a biscuit and more tea yeah I felt like, so bad and in some ways it didn't feel bad like you'd be up yeah. at the catering table going yeah 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 and like the whole crew or cast of them coming out and you're just yeah. sitting on the bus having your dinner but in fairness um, I did do a lot of writing and uh, I do get hungry so that's it yeah it's great you work up a hungry typing all that like you know your fingers like they do a lot oh of my god they do yeah. like you know and I think that's a, you know writers uh, it's funny someone said to me said, do you feel underappreciated as a writer I go no because the work is on the screen mm. and you know writers do do a lot of work but everyone else does a lot of work too so we're all a team it's, it, you know it's lovely I have a, we have a really nice team there you know I'd like to work with Lee as much as possible especially with John Cavill as well as producer and Connor Barry at Savage oh yeah uh, that's great you know yeah. there's a lot of great especially in this country like look but like there's a lot of other people in this country and everyone wants to work with everyone at some point like there's people mm. I dream to work with but at the moment I enjoy working with Lee we work as a good unit and we're you know we're getting there we're getting their yeah. first feature in the can out in the cinema and uh, now it's about getting the next one done because that's the way it works yeah, that is indeed okay so we're ho- the hole in the wall the or hole in ground I, hole keep, in the I keep saying that that's an I, need, I need to get money out yeah, yeah that's, that's it going machine. damn it I've no that's what all people call the ATM yeah. machine the hole in the wall <laughs> the hole in the ground is yes. in cinemas now it's in cinemas now in uh, cinemas if we have any American listeners it's, it's in, in cinema in select cinemas. cities uh, if you go on to the holeintheground.com you will find what cities in America it is on I'm sure if you google it as well if yeah. you do the hole in the ground America uh, you're in Los Angeles New York uh, Washington 
Uh, things were in parts of Texas. Uh, like if you can get out and see it, go out and see it because I do. Like I said, I do think going to see it in the cinema is the best experience of it. Uh, if you don't, that's you'll always see it. I'm sure at some point on definitely. VOD. And I think for as a horror film, if you are not necessarily a huge fan of horror films, I think it will still work for you. If yeah. you like a good solid drama, if you like something that is kind of narratively sound. This will definitely work. And it's not too gruesome or anything. No, there's like that. no, so I, like, there actually are, is no real yeah. gore in the entire movie. It's really as if, if you like psychological, unsure, sure horror movies. Yeah. I think this is the thing for you. We, we set out on purpose to make a horror movie that wasn't in the James Wan conjuring universe. Yeah. We set out to make a film that has a purpose and everything in that film has a purpose. And again, it has this, like, I, even if you have seen it, go back and see it twice because there's probably things you've missed in it, like little yeah. subtleties in the film that um, you may have missed the first time, but that's your prerogative. But right. I do think, get out and see it. Go out and see it in the cinema. It's the best way to experience the sound, the visuals, the music, the whole, like everyone's efforts compiled onto the big yeah. screen. I think that's the best way to see it. And definitely, it's something that um, it doesn't always happen. And I, it's almost like a magical thing. But sometimes films are, they seem to almost exceed the sum of their parts. And I yeah. think this is definitely just one of those things um, where it just seems like, like almost a bit, there's a bit of magic in there. So that as someone who kind of watches film, and you can't always explain things. Sometimes things are technically perfect. Yeah. But they just don't. They just don't sit right. But I do think this is one of those things and it'll work for everybody. So that actual description was based specifically for my mother because I know <laughs> if she was watching that, like a horror film, she'd be like, oh, no, I wouldn't like that now. And I'd be yeah. like, no, actually, she would. And she'd That's what's funny it. about people with horror movies. Yeah. I don't know if I'd like that. Well, how do you know? You yeah. know I go, go watch it and then if you didn't like it, you didn't like it. If you liked yeah. it, you liked it. So that's the challenge. That's, that's the, the challenge. Stephen Shields that's challenge. The, uh, go go like, see it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. It's you up to you. That's it. That's yeah. it. All the way. So thank you so much for chatting with us. <laughs> no problem. We'll let you get great. to your other podcast. No, you're fine. Thank you very much <laughs> yes. for the experience. Excellent. Thanks, Gemma. Thanks.